Hosanna, it's you, Ellen, God, who saves us. You're worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us. And welcome you here, Lord Jesus.
Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. 
God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Jude 1.20 But you, dear friends, more build each other in your most holy faith. Pray by the power. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Hillside. Welcome. Now we have an opportunity to worship the Lord with our tithes and offering. And for those of you that are new today, there is a welcome card in the pocket in front of you. If you don't mind filling that out and dropping in the offering box, when it, the offering bag when it comes around, we would appreciate it. And let's go ahead and just pray over our offering now. God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are an almighty king. Lord, you are the resurrected king, God. And, Lord, we have the opportunity now, Lord, to just give back, Lord, that already belongs to you, God. We just pray, Lord, as we give back cheerfully, Lord, uh, with an sense of excitement, God, that you're going to use these monies, God, to further your kingdom, God. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing, Lord, and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you continue to, we're just going to keep worshiping. Lift our voices, lift our hearts, continue to worship. Here we go.
death where is your sting oh Hades where is your victory but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ God is telling us to take our eyes off ourselves and our problems and to put them back on Jesus Jesus is our victory and he has the promise given us promises and we need to rest in those things Still stands, great is your faith. 
Spirit to move, He can move. It took us a while to remove some of our downtime. Related it last week, it's like trying to uh, get an airplane off the ground, and we have our praise and our worship, and then we drop to our announcements and our offering, and it seems like the plane crashes. Then I have to get up and, and speak, and I just like that transitions where the Holy Spirit is moving, and the songs that we pick, you know, we pray about, we talked about. The songs that seem to be moving in the body of Christ that bring refreshment. You know, there's so many people have been waiting for miracles. That song we sing, it's time we're going to see you do it again. God's going to move the mountains in your life that seem like they're not going to break. God's going to break the strongholds that you feel like have defied being broken. That's the God we serve. He's a relevant God. He's an on-time God. He's a now God. I want to continue my message. Um, The blessed life, you know, we talked last week about how the blessed life when he, Jesus went through the Beatitudes and people went through some negative things to get the blessing and to see how their life was blessed. And our key verse has been James 1.12. And James wrote it, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. In Matthew Henry's commentary, Matthew Henry wrote, A blessing is pronounced on those who endure their exercises and trials. As here directed, blessed is the man that endures temptation. I was reading this morning and just kind of going over my notes and I was thinking about Abraham in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 17. I just want to read it to you this morning. By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress, had already brought Isaac for an offering. He who had gladly received and welcomed God's promise was ready to sacrifice that promise, his only son. And how Abraham, in the middle of the test, the test that he was going to have that child, that 25-year test, as an old person who could not produce, he went through a lot of waiting for God to do it again. And yet, in that test, in his faith, he hung on and saw the promise come to pass. And he didn't have to sacrifice his son. And whatever test you're going through right now, I tell you, God's going to bring you through that test. And you're going to come out a victor. And you're going to come out blessed. I want to focus on that last part of this verse that we've talked about now for three weeks. That after the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. The crown of life is like 
the victory wreath given to winning athletes. God's crown of life is not glory and honor here on earth, but the reward of eternal life, living with God forever. The reward to be in God's winner's circle is by loving him and staying faithful even under pressure. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, Paul the Apostle writes us about the crown of life. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In the Greek lexicon, the, the definition of a crown is a prize or reward as a result for outstanding performance. In the Pictorial Bible Dictionary, it says that a crown of life is a, a band, or a crown is a band encircling the head to designate honor. The Lord will honor us for faithful obedience to his word and following the Holy Spirit in our life. The Pictorial Bible Dictionary also says the victor's crown the Lord will give us for overcoming the world and going through the struggles that we all go through. The second part of that, the crown of life, is life itself. And the strongest definition of life is vitality of organic beings, animals, men, plants. Life is understood not as a thing, but as vitality, as the nature or manner which characterizes all living creatures as such. How many know that you know, we are trying to live life, and when we feel good, we feel like we have that vitality. We feel like we have that strength to live. The older we get, we wonder, we're living life, but it doesn't feel that vital. Life from the Pictorial Bible Dictionary says, it is a qualitative involving the impartation of a new nature. That's which we understand as Christians and new believers when we receive Christ. There's impartation of the Spirit of God now living in our spirit, resurrecting us, connecting us in vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. Another definition from the Pictorial Bible Dictionary Dictionary is life is communicated to the believer in this life resulting in fellowship with God in Christ and is not interrupted by physical death. It's interesting. I wasn't talking to the worship team, but we have coordinated, obviously the Holy Spirit coordinated the songs we were singing today about resurrection life, about eternal life, about being with God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.10, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. I'm not going to say that again, but another definition. Life will find its perfection and full reality of blessedness with God in our life to come. You know, sometimes we feel like we're living life, but we may be so under pressures pressures or physical ailments or different things that we feel like, are we really living life? I tell you, we have not experienced the life that God has for us in the life to come, where we're free from a body and problems and ailments and uh, adversity and demonic activity of this world and opposition to people and hatred and all the things that we see in the world. We don't know what true life is like apart from all these things that we consider part of our natural life. In Romans 2, 7, the, the Lord said that Paul wrote, 
the Lord will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. Again, as we gather and as we live our life and as we read the scriptures, that we are patterning our life after a different plan, after a different purpose, after kingdom life, after God's life, after eternal life. In Matthew 22, 31 through 32, Jesus spoke. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. It's interesting that uh, anybody watching the Olympics now, it's interesting, this is right, talking about the crown, you know, People have been practicing for years. These Olympics, you know, how they're every four years. And right now we're in the Winter Olympics and how those athletes have trained and trained. Back in Bible days when these scriptures were written, it was kind of connected with the awards that were given during that time. And some of these awards were from uh, the Romans. And they're called Roman victory crowns. I'll try to pronounce some of them. The Corona Civica was a crown made from oak leaf boughs given to one who saved a citizen in battle against their enemies. Obsidianonialis was a crown made of grass, I'd like to have that one, huh? given to one that delivered a town or city from siege. The crown called Muralis was made of gold given to the one that first scaled the wall of a town or castle. Castrillus was a crown made of gold given to the one that first entered a, a camp of enemies. Navalis crown was made of gold given to the one that first boarded the ship of an enemy. And the last crown, the Ovalis crown, was made of myrtle given to the captain that subdued a town or city that won eas- that that he won easily without shedding any blood. They had uh, interviewed yesterday the women's cross country team, and these women have been training for eight years. They're very excited, and the the one who was interviewing them happened to mention that the New York Times has written an article about cross country skiing and training, and they said that. Cross-country training was probably one of the rigorous trainings uh, for any sport that there was going on. So we're talking about that dedication of what people go through to receive something temporal. I uh, was asking my son to send me a little bit of what he'd gone through because he did a a, a marathon um, just in 2015, and he's about ready to do another one this year. But... He said that um, this marathon he trained for was at 26.2 miles. It cost him $150 to torture himself on that day. <laughs> what he got was a bib, a race shirt, a, track, a tracking chip for his time. He had a bib when he was a baby, and it didn't cost him $150. His total running time was 4 hours and 38 minutes. His training, he spent six months in preparing for raining. Three or four runs a week, each lasting a long time and building miles every day. He had to commit to cross-training also. 
Well, he was supposed to, but he said he didn't. <laughs> Must have a good pair of running shoes, comfortable shoes that will kind of expand as your feet expand. Lots of water for hydration. Good fuel, recommending Gatorade during the run. He said every day he had to increase time over and over the period of time. And as he got closer, he had to almost do at least half of a a marathon time of the 26 miles. So he had to dedicate at least three hours at a time to running. On the race day, he had to be fully hydrated. And there was also fueling stations and water stations along the route that helped him keep hydrated and encouraged him. He said there was all kinds of uh, bananas, oranges, soft drinks, anything you wanted. And there was a lot of people around cheering him on. I asked him, uh, what did you get from this? He said he got a pottery medallion that was made kind of like a hippie style thing with a little uh, ribbon that you could hook, hang around your neck. And that's what he got for his $150 his, and all his exertion for six months. And he's getting ready to do it again. I said, Ben, was it worth it? He, go, he said it was a sense of accomplishment and like a bucket list he had on and the feeling like you could push yourself to do this. Now, when he, when la- when he did it in 2015, we went and saw him, and um, he had a nurse with him who was an- another couple had gone with him, and she suggested that for his muscles, because of uh, the chemical that's built up in, in his muscles, that he gets in this ice bath. And I thought to myself, all the torture before and after, and all you got was this a pottery metal? Second Timothy 2.5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. We watch all those athletes, watch some of them just seem to lose yesterday and uh, all their prep and everything else, and they just get a little bit off and hit the wall and mess up their timing and see the defeat on their face and see the discouragement because they spent all this time training and they messed up all the hours, all the frustration, no award. The path of blessedness leads us to the crown of life. Matthew Henry comments more about sufferings and temptations. Sufferings and temptations are the way to eternal blessedness. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. When he is approved, when his graces are found to be true and at the highest worth, Gold medals are tried as their excellency by the fire. And when his integrity is manifested and all is approved of, of the great judge. First the cross, then the crown. Our cross is temporary, but our crown of blessedness is eternal. be approved of God is the great aim of a Christian in all his trials and it will be his blessedness at last when he shall receive the crown of life the tried Christian shall be a crowned one and the crown he shall wear will be the crown of life it will be life and bliss to him and will last forever 
We only bear the cross for a while, but we shall wear the crown for eternity. In Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said. For through the cross which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I think it's something we have to remember every day when Jesus said to pick up our cross and start the day with. We are dead to the world. We are dead to the power of the world causing us to make decisions that are anti-God and anti the crown that God's going to give us. That we only have this life to invest everything for the kingdom of God in our relationship with God. But the dividends it will pay and the rewards it will be paying will be for all eternity. The crown of life is the Lord's promise to us. Matthew Henry wrote this, This blessedness involved in a crown of life is a promised thing to the righteous sufferer. It is therefore what we may most surely depend upon. For when heaven and earth shall pass away, this word of God shall not fail of being fulfilled. But with all, let us take notice that our future reward comes not as a debt, but by a gracious promise. Our trials are because we love the Lord. Our enduring temptations must be from a principle of love to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we are not interested in the promise. Blessedness is the life to come. Those who have endured trial inherit the peculiar blessedness. Just like those athletes competing and find it worthwhile to give up time, money, and physical effort to attain something. That's what we get in enduring our tests and trials. What are the things that we endure? We endure the surrendering of our life and our will to the obedience of Jesus Christ and his word. Changing the ways we've been programmed in, ways we were once taught, and sometimes even the philosophies and things that we heard or even maybe family of origin. Doing right when we are used to doing wrong. Resisting temptations that cause us to sin against our own self and others. Forgiving when we don't feel like forgiving. Enduring different sufferings while we know the Lord is with us. And sometimes those are hard when we say, if, if you're with us, why do we have to endure this? Or why do we have to go through this? Becoming faithful when we do not see or feel anything from the Lord. Rejection from those close because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Being thought strange or weird in the world when we do not participate in words and actions that are wrong according to the word. James 1.12 God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptations. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Adam Clark's commentary on that. Every man is in this life in a state of temptation or trial. And in this state, he is a candidate for another and a better world. He that stands in his trial shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. It is only love to God that can enable a man to endure the trials of life. In 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul the Apostle said, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We know Paul's story because we read it in the New Testament. All the suffering from the moment he met Jesus on that horse and had that experience with him. He began a journey of sacrifice and torture and imprisonment and beatings. But he was so affected by Jesus coming into his heart. He was so affected by the change that he was willing to give up all of his status as a Pharisee, his position as a Roman citizen, to live out a life of torture and pain because he believed in the love of God and he believed in the crown of life that was awaiting him. In 1 Peter 5, 4, Peter relays the Lord's promise. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. How many things have we labored for and spent money on that they fade away? I think about some of the people in the Bible who had faith tests and were overcomers. What about Enoch? Hebrews 11.5 says that because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven so that he did not have a, a glimpse of death. And he was not found because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony that is still on record that he had pleased and been satisfactory to God. Hebrews 11.35, the second part of the verse. Believers who died for a better life. Some others were tortured to death with clubs, refusing to accept release, offered on the terms of denying their faith, so that they might be resurrected to a better life. Yesterday, in our men's Bible study, we started off with this incredible verse in John 14:2. Jesus said, In my Father's house, that's our Father, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. We have a bright future ahead of us. We have a place to live that God is creating for us that will not match anything that this world could come up with in a place to live. As we close the service today, and we're doing really good on time, I want to offer to you a verse to consider for our prayer. We're trying to do a verse on prayer every Sunday this year. And this is in Romans 8, 26. And we want to just open up the altars right now. And you can talk to the Lord about anything. And if you just want to meet with the Lord on your own, come over here on my right, your left. And if you want prayer, come over on my left, your right, and people will pray for you. But I want you to consider this verse for your prayer, Romans 8, 26. The Spirit also helps us in weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And as you approach the altar today, maybe you've prayed and you're just in a place you need God to do something.
that you would just present yourself at the altar and say, I believe, Holy Spirit, you're interceding for me right now because I can't do this on my own because I have prayed and I am not sure what else to pray. But I believe that that verse says that it is the Holy Spirit that makes intercession for us because he knows exactly what we need and he knows how to make strongholds broken. So I want to leave that with you. Just, we'll take a few minutes and then we'll dismiss.